Hey Rollers! This episode of Quid Pro Roll is brought to you by Alchemy RPG, the world's first virtual tabletop built specifically for cinematic immersion and theater of the mind gameplay. Their scene-based structure and dynamic audio integration empowers game masters and players to tell incredible stories together with animated environments, ambient sound, and multiple integrated TTRPG systems. The folks at Alchemy created it because they love role-playing games, but were frustrated with the tools available for bringing their games online. Role-playing isn't about staring at tokens on a tactical grid, it's about creating a shared imaginative space full of authenticity, inclusion, and creativity. Alchemy allows you to do just that, no matter where you are. Backed and partnered with indie tabletop giants such as Chepiku, Hitpoint Press, and Loot Tavern, Alchemy is the future of online virtual tabletops. Check the link in our show notes to sign up for a free 14-day trial, then $8 a month or $88 for the whole year. Less a month than the price of a resealable half-pound bulk bag of cereal marshmallows. Check it out! Hey listener, it's me, Zero Time All-Star Trevor May from MCA Media, the ultimate destination for discussions about tech, gaming, content creation, and everything in between. I just wanted to pop in and let you know two very important things. One, you smell incredible today. Two, the May Contain Action Network now has an ever-expanding catalog of great shows like the D&D-centric Forgotten Pass, Goblins and Growlers, and Quid Pro Roll, or the phenomenal Fortnite podcast Invaulted, hosted by Squatting Dog. Give them a listen, level up your podcast game, and have some fun. Shows are linked in the show notes. What did he have to say about Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, so, like, have you ever thought that you could say that a man is a featherless biped? But then what's an Aarakocra? Featherful ah, um, biped? Mm. Yeah, yeah. A man. But does that mean an Aarakocra is not a man? I'm going to put this rock deeper away. <laughs> this is Quid Pro Roll, a fantasy live play adventure where a party of unlikely heroes embark on a quest to bring dragons back to their world. Well, howdy, listener. Welcome to the Daily Crier Listening Show, where all the news and fairing and beyond can make its way right to you. Now, last we saw the party, they stepped through a dark portal and arrived on, well, some other floor of room in this tower. Johannes quickly made himself at home using the chemistry equipment it to craft up a lovely little foot scrub with some help of the party. Eventually, they all find their way into a magical astronomy room, or, and Solonar summons Astrid to help them discern some of the arcane meanings of the devices. Though none were prepared for what they found in the next room, hung above the fireplace, least of all Astrid. The days are filling up, and the wind is changing. I wonder. Ah, anyways, y'all take care now.
So on the last episode, you guys screwed around a little bit with an astrolab and, and found, found out <laughs> an interesting chemical lab, which is very different from the specimen lab that you found earlier in the tower. Now you found yourself in a large hall. The three most notable things are a desk, a sword, and a portrait of Astrid. Is is Astrid still out? Yes. <laughs> Solinar's gonna, like, sidestep the door and be like, Hey, Astrid? Uh, yes. You, uh, you got a fan club or something? Not to my knowledge. I mean, it looks like that to me. Look, man, I'm not entirely certain how you are expecting me to have more knowledge about this than you. I don't know where we are. And to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of creeped out. What about that sword on the wall? Is that familiar to you at all? Yeah, that... That was mine. Bump, bump, bump. <laughs> no, 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 we are not ending the episode oh, after two a, minutes. Point. That's a good episode, y'all. Great uh, work. Question, question on the floor, Mr. Chairman. Um, uh, Brandon Dingus, uh, Henrico County. Um, how long does the uh, sort of naked spell charge that Solinar put into the sword last? Is it just supposed to last for like the duration of like an average level one spell or what's what's our timer looking like on that? Um, so basically the way that if I am recall, if I am understanding what Josh is, was trying to do correctly, Josh was trying to raise the magical level of the area enough that Astrid could manifest correctly. Right. If he just did that in a vacuum, then Astrid would probably be able to manifest for about five minutes. Because you are in the tower and Solinar's spell is just supplementing it, you probably have a significantly longer span of time. Okay. I wondered if she was just going to be talking and then all of a sudden she's like, oh yes, I've seen that sword before. Blink. <laughs> I mean, that. Uh, so, so the problem is, is that sounds absolutely like something I would do. Um, however... I mean, it, it is very cinematic the, and it's very funny, but I know that Josh would just you, pop another spell, like level one spell slot. So make him little, make him manage his spell economy. Don't let him out of this. <laughs> I'm 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 not letting him out of it. But because the normal the normal level would last about five minutes, you have the spell tower, so it's significantly stronger. Not only does so, Virion have actual economic inflation, but now it's got spellular inflation as well. Well, again, it's because you're in this tower, which has a lot of resonant magic already. You probably yeah. have about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, we've got we've got great magical signal. We're literally inside a spell tower. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Why, you did you have him. a question you wanted to ask uh, Brandon Dingus, dead. representative of Henrico? Uh, no, I just wanted to get some clarity on what our timeline was looking like on that. Yeah, you've probably got like 15, 20 minutes all told. All right. I'm watching time.is. Johannes <laughs> walks up to the uh, rapier mounted mm -hmm. on the wall and he grabs it and he brings it over to Astrid and gives it to her. You're going to hand it to her, uh -huh. and it is going to fall through her spectral hand. Oh, oh, sorry, you dropped this. He picks it up and he hands it to her. She's going to reach out to take it again, and it will fall through her spectral hand. Oh my god, you got a little too much time next to that astro lube. Here, here you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Johannes, this is very lovely of you, but I cannot hold it. I am kind of curious. And Solinar uh, reaches for the rapier. Is, is Johannes just going to let Solinar have it? Yeah, but Johannes is also going to put his hands underneath your hands in case the rapier falls right through. Oh, fair, fair. Uh, Solinar is going to take the rapier and he's going to move the uh, the gem pommel of attention close to the pommel of Astrid's rapier. Ooh, is it like a magnet? Was well, yeah, like kind of the thought there is if it's something that Astrid herself was bound to in life, then maybe it's something that would be a, a better home for her in afterlife. That is an incredibly sweet thought, and I love that immensely. However, the stone is completely fused into attention. Hmm. Well, Astrid, I, I can't move you to your sword, at least not with my magical ability. So, uh, this being your sword, although whoever this demon lich person is, uh, presumably they have some attachment to it and maybe you? <laughs> hey, wasn't there a guy that put you in this stone in the first place? Wasn't he a, was he a tiefling? I feel like he was a tiefling. Oh my god, was his name Mr. Wizard? <laughs> if you recall, I was dead when this happened. You are the one who saw me being put into the well, rock. you remember who was in the room with you when you died, I bet. Well, it was a lot of guys and also... Bernard. Wasn't Bernard a tiefling? He was. I... <laughs> well, I guess you could argue still is. Do you change your species when you die? Well, that depends on if you're wait, reincarnated. Wait. wait, wait, I know, I know who will have an answer. I pull out the stone. <laughs> 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 so do you ever think about how when we die, we become the Earth? So we're really not all humanoids. Oh, or earthenoids. Oh, I think about you, that a lot. Yeah, the answer is yes, Astrid. But he died. You saw it. Well, I okay, maybe. I don't know what happened after I came through. It's possible someone came by a day or two later and resurrected him. We have that kind of magic. It, it's real. Who would have come into that abandoned place and resurrected a dead tiefling? I. Moonsy exists in this world, okay? What would the Moonsy have done? I, I don't know. Moonsy is a being of mysterious and advanced power. The sorts of things that could happen here are well beyond my reckoning. I'm just saying it's not impossible. Listen, listen. I'm not willing to roll the dice on this because it's entirely possible that the whole reason that this particular lich demon is obsessed with you is because they saw Bernard and they were like, oh, he did some powerful magic in this room. I just got to find that sick magical stone. But it was too late because I took it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just saying it's a possibility. I, if you could be alert for signs that this may be uh, your long-lost bow, but literally centuries later? Solonar, he died. Liches don't die. 
That's he wasn't the a point. lich. But at the point you knew him and I saw him, yes. Yeah, he died when I died. He didn't he... have additional time to do a dark ritual. Um, what if the dark ritual was already done? What do you think he was doing without me knowing? May isn't becoming a lich like a really terrible, horrifying thing that involves murdering a bunch of people? What if there was like a way that he already did it and it was set to turn him into the lich when he died? Is that how that works? I, I don't, I don't know. Is, ask the stone, <laughs> Johannes, ask the stone if that's how that works. Johannes holds up the stone. You know, uh -huh. if you think about it, liches are just magic zombies. If the world was broken into things like stat blocks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they shouldn't have a much bigger and more powerful stat block than a zombie with a magic wand. I think the stone's broken. Johannes puts it back in his bag. I think we should ask the stone more questions <laughs> more, okay. more frequently In that case, Why are you doing this to me? Johannes takes the stone back out <laughs> what, what do you think would be your favorite question, stone? Honestly, the best question uh -huh. is the one that's actually asked Yeah, Johannes puts it back in his bag <laughs> Well, I don't know who this guy is for sure I have a theory now, but I don't know for sure. What I do know for sure is he has your sword. And, uh... Correction, we have my sword. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is do you think it makes more sense for this guy, who's clearly some sort of fanboy, uh, to have your sword, or for us to hang on to it, since you are actually with us? I would deeply appreciate you never calling it a fanboy thing ever again, because that creeps me out immensely. Uh, but yes, we should take... When, when is a magical sword not useful? Is your sword magical too? Of course my sword is magical. Do you think that Astrid Shireen of the Shireen family would have a mundane sword? Maybe? Let's I ask, wait, wait, we can ask, we can ask the rock. We yeah. can take the rock out. Oh no. When you get right down to it, uh -huh. isn't everything in the world kind of magical? Whoa. I love this rock. <laughs> I put the rock away. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see you having a non-magical, I mean, I had a non-magical sword before we met. But I'm better than you. Well, hold on. One of us is still adventuring and uh, is not, not going to have a completely split party when Emberlin makes a move. And the reason that you're not is because we showed you what that would have been, so. Uh, I would, okay, sure. Look, are you All really right. going to be here and twist the magic knife into my cold, dead heart? I, I can't, I can't help but feel like you started it, but. You are correct. This is unfair and unkind, and I will stop. Thank you. So, we will hang on to your sword. I'm, I'm not going to use your sword instead of using attention. Although, if I could learn how to hold two swords... Oh. Imagine. Imagine. Okay, I'm done imagining. What else are we gonna do in here? 
Johannes walks up to the uh, carpet. <laughs> so the carpet is plush beneath your feet and appears of some kind of ocean var make. You're able to see, you're able to feel as you stand over it, there's something underneath it. I lift the carpet just for a brief moment and then I put it back down and then I lift it up again and then I put it back down again. And then so every time that you every time that you say you see it, you, you lift it and you look under, you see that there is a trap door and then I put it back down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you guys see that? The trap door? Johannes turns. He's like, that door was trapped. Hmm. We should look at these books. OK. Johannes walks over to the books. So the books that you see are mostly journals, some of them written in infernal, some of them written in common. All of them, including things like pressed leaves, scraps of fabric, diet, drawn diagrams. It's not so far that one would call it a scrapbook, but it's very clearly is integrating material pieces into its notes. You said that there was one that was open on the table. Yes. I'd like to look at that. It's written in Infernal, so... Hey, Astrid. Yes. I think we've got more Infernal over here. Did you just summon me to be a translator? No, I summoned you for your magical intellect and assistance. And then you said that necromancers aren't wizards because you're a warlock. But the fact that you can read Infernal is really All helpful. right, all right. Butter me up all you want. All right. Are you trying to get me to read the private diary of this creepy stalker man? Just the, the one that's open on the table. Also, it might tell us whether or not he's a creepy stalker man or someone from your past. You know, who might turn themselves into a lich. She's going to lift up the diary. She's going to lift up the journal and read. So it appears that Eek has instead gone to the side of Emberlin, losing the silver flame as an asset to the party. I am not sure what this is going to mean for the rectifying of what was lost. Pardon? Come again? I, I, I read the thing. Do you know anything about a silver flame? I, I, I knew someone who called themselves the silver flame. Oh. It was supposed to be a very powerful, like, magic-y arcane thing that, like, a chosen person was. Mm, that seems irrelevant Ooh. to what's going on here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Had you all? Who did you know who called themselves the Silver Flame? It was Bernard, but I imagine the Silver Flame became someone else when he died. Had you all mentioned the name Eek Tokoza? Or, yeah, Tokoza. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think we've talked about... You've been traveling with us for yeah. forever. We haven't talked about Eek in that whole time. We don't talk about Eek. <laughs> we um, don't talk about Eek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that name. What, wasn't there a... Uh, your your previous traveling companion. Yeah, you know, the person who we've talked about many times. With you, present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a kobold wizard who said he was trained by a mysterious figure. Uh, I don't know that we got a lot of details on Eek's mentor. But this, I, I'm feeling pretty confident that this is one and the same Eek. Which means... Eek is actually a very important magical figure and is currently working for 
chromatic priests. There's something in here about uh, the sealing away of the goddess of evil dragons. Is that relevant to you guys? Because yes. I think it is relevant. Probably not. Yeah, Astrid, <laughs> that would have been relevant to you. How would that not be relevant to us? Well, because we succeeded in that part. What do you mean you succeeded in that part? Wait, look, I was not able to figure out everything that the Berlin was doing, but one of the things that she was doing was something really weird about the goddess of evil dragons. And we did some things to sort of seal that uh, dragon away so that she couldn't do that. And we succeeded in that part. We just failed at the other parts. But some of it was tied into, apparently, the power of the silver flame. So Eek could undo what you all did. Uh, that is increasingly seeming like a possibility, yes. A distinctly troubling possibility. I mean, do you guys not have an ability to talk to Eek and maybe calm him down? Uh, yeah, let me, let me see if I can just... No, I don't... What? Uh, how would I reach Eek? He's with Emberlin. They're with Emberlin. I was with Emberlin. I stopped doing that. Uh, um, you, maybe you could call him on the Eek phone. Yeah. Pardon? Maybe the stone knows how to get a hold of him. Oh, let me ask. How do I get a hold of somebody who I haven't talked to in a long time? If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Mm. We're going to make a choice here, team. On one hand, we continue to move forward through this bastion of teleporting stone and magic and weirdly colored plants. On the other hand, we take a seat right here and then we nap and then we wake up and then we say, hmm, we could turn back. Well, as much as I think that this demon lich person might actually be a friend in the long run, uh, I don't want to chance that by sleeping on the floor in their journal room. Yeah. Well, it'd be pretty yeah. awkward if they found their lifelong crush we sleeping on the floor in their journal room, bound eternally to a sword being wielded by somebody who uses it for war. We could always uh, go back. To, well, should we go back to the, the waiting room or should we look around more here? Uh, we can always just take this trap door. Yeah, let's uh, take the okay. trap door. I think we should absolutely take the trapdoor. I do have an idea. And Solonar mm -hmm. wants to find the oldest of the journals in the room, if not on the table. It's going to be at the very bottom of the tower of books. I mean, I'll, I'll roll to move books. Jenga, right. Jenga, roll, roll Jenga. Jenga. What am I rolling to Jenga? Can we make this? Slide uh, of hand, I guess. Hell what's yeah. The, what's the rule six. set? It's a if, 17. If it falls, you die. Is that the rule set? <laughs> if it falls, it falls on me and I risk dying. You take mm. bludgeoning damage for sure. Uh, if it's sleight of hand, then I just got a 17. All right. You're able to pull it from the bottom of the stack. I, it's like the uh, the magician's trick where you pull the tablecloth from the mm. table without disturbing any of the glasses. Solonar just like grabs both sides of the book and then just whoop. And the whole stack just flump. 
<laughs> There's like a cloud of dust rises from that space around the table, and so it's like, <laughs> okay, I, um, and then he open he opens the book. Is it in common or is it infernal? It's an infernal. As he's doing that, what are you guys doing? Watching. I'm very, yeah, I'm very interested in the trapdoor. Roll investigation for me. Uh, that's a that's an eighteen there. There's nothing trapped or locked or anything interesting about it like that. All right. So it is just, in fact, a door. Sometimes a door is just a door. I open the door. Now it's a jar. (laughs) God. (laughs) We we weren't asking the stone that time. (laughs) So you open. So you lift the trap door and find a ladder leading down. Okay. The room that you enter into appears to be some kind of personal chamber. The bed is covered in a rich, dark blue bedspread and, like, various types and sizes of furs. A large reading chair is angled near a cold fireplace. A bottle of wine and a silver chalice are left on a small round side table beside it. Um, so guys, there's something uh, down here. Uh, looks like some interesting stuff. Anybody want to come down here, be my exploration buddy? Johannes pops his head over the edge. Well, if you need a sidekick, it might as well be your lieutenant assistant to the guard captain. All right. Go down there and you can report back. And I jump down. All right, Johannes, what are you looking for, bud? Well, I get down into the room. Uh, There's a side table with wine and a bed. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else in here of note? Uh, Not immensely, though you do find a small silver box of bonbons. Hmm. Uh, looks at him. He's like, "No, I'm on. I'm on a diet." And he starts walking over, and he's looking around. Is there anywhere where these uh, the, the wine is it just a bottle, or did it come from like a little cellar? It looks like there's a small wine rack in the corner. Mm-hmm. And when I say small, it's probably about four feet high, all told, but Whoa. comparatively small to some of the other furniture in here. Size of me. I could take this wine rack. <laughs> fight it. You know, fight this wine rack. Johannes is like looking around. He's looking around. He goes over and he, he uh, checks underneath the bed. You see dust and like a single slipper. Oh. Johannes grabs that slipper. It's a blue velvet slipper with some kind of red gem that's been sewn into the embroidery. Mm-hmm. Johannes is like, well... You, we need to find you a pair. All lonely. And then Johannes goes and he uh, climbs back up and he's like, takes the slipper and he salutes that boat and he goes, Boat, I've located one step forward, but we need to find the other one or we risk two steps back. Okay. Uh, you, you take the lead on it? Was that all that was down there? Well, it was other things. Bed, wine, wine in the corner. This is a little silver box of bonbons, but I'm on a diet. Uh, that's about it. Unless he keeps a knife under the pillow like Solano does. It's possible. Um, Always possible. All right, well, come on up. Whoop. It is around this point that Astrid is going to probably start fading a little bit. Ah, uh, I just thought of something. Because um, it's going to stick his head into the trap door. Hello? I'll be right there. Oh, oh, okay. 
what the uh, hell are you doing? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you said Astrid's starting to fade. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push another first level spell slot. Okay. Johannes goes underneath uh, the bed. The, there's a bed up here too, right? No. Just a desk, a rug, and the portrait. Looked under the rug. I've looked over the portrait, but I haven't looked under the desk. I look under the desk. Because it's going to stick his head back in the trap door. Um, do you mind if we poke around while we wait? Oh, I do. That's uh, why I've activated security. Oh, crap. Oh, well, we just... Um, uh, uh, okay. I really do wish you hadn't poked around in my things. Can we talk about this first? If you survive, sure. You have about five minutes. That's not first. Hey, Astrid, does this voice sound familiar to you? Um... That is less important than that. She's going to point and you feel the ground start to shake a little as this enormous clockwork golem climbs into the room. Oh my God, the other slipper stuck to it. <laughs> Weirdly enough, it is. It's stuck in a slot that appears to say password in common. Slipper? <laughs> Shockingly, that doesn't work. Oh, I feel lied to. Johannes <laughs> <laughs> grabs the shield and, and his other shield off his back. And he goes, you can't get away, Slipper Thief. We know it's you. You've been caught red-footed. All right, everybody roll for initiative. All right, the order is going to go. Boat, Koza, the Golem, Johannes, and Solinar. All right, uh, let's call this uh, Great Axe Attack. What uh, kind of damage does that axe do? Um, Slashy damage. The painful kind? Slashing? Yeah. Is your uh, axe in any way enchanted or magical or silver or adamantine or anything fancy? Um, You know, I didn't get its papers when I bought it, so it's entirely possible that I've found some hidden gem here. What? I... Was this or was this not the axe of like uncontrolled rage or something like that? No, he had he kept that one in the back, like in his pack. He wasn't using that one. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But unfortunately, it does appear that you do not do damage to it despite getting a good hit in on it. If that's the case, then I am going to step away and not use my um, unarmed attack bonus action. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't punch the rock. All right, Koza. Um, Koza is going to... This is like an automaton, right? Yes. Okay. It is a construct. So so noticeably non-organic materials. Yes. These sort of things that are not weak to our friends, the mushrooms. Our friends, the mushrooms, a combat guide by Koza. For now, Koza is going to cast away and give it the old bonk. All right. Give him that bonk. Um, Roll for bonking. Yeah. So that is going to be a, um, a nine damage, nine bonk damage. All right. You do nine bonking. Just when the audience thought that there was no one else to ship Koza with. Uh, The golem is going to turn and attack both Koza and Boat respectively, each with a swing of its big 
not meaty fists. All right, so um, it just does on... X arms, and then the fists come down in opposite directions to like backhand both of them. Uh, excitingly for Koza, uh, the monster crit failed on him. Uh, to attack boat, that is going to be twenty three damage. Okay, I can take that. All right, that is going to move us to Johannes. Johannes goes into a crouch, grabs both of his shields. And he starts running forward and he goes, Boat, toss me your axe. Here you go. He he grabs it and he starts running and then he jumps up and he goes, time to hack that password. And he takes an axe and he hits the password. That's so funny. That's so stupid and that's so funny. That means it worked. Big data. (laughs) Smite hack. All right, what are oh, you trying? Divine hacks. Are you are you trying to smite it in that spot, or are you trying to break it, doing like hitting it in its Nintendo sixty four era glowing weak spot? Yeah, talking about Shadow of Colossus situation. Yes. Okay. My point. My goal is to uh, is to hit the password. Yeah, the little password slot, and see if it if it like pops out. Or something, or maybe, yeah, maybe it does the extra damage. I just really wanted to hit the password with an axe and say, I'm going to hack this. Perfect. Yeah. What, but what's an axe do? Damage. Yeah, but I've... Is it is it 1d12? 1d10? Yeah, it's 1d12. Unless you're making the axe magical, the only real damage is going to be your smite. Okay. No, I, I have no ability to make this axe magical. All I have ability to do is hack this password. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, the I rolled so- a D8 and I got a one. The soft underbelly of the, uh, of the mechanical monster. That is so sad. Take that robot. <laughs> Boof. Get hacked. All right, Solonar. And then when Johanna swings it, the axe hits the section, just completely bounces off with no effect and then flies through the air flipping until it comes right to rest at boat's feet swing all right solinar that brings us to you uh i have i have a mechanics question because i know alan never looks at the spell book does johannes have second level spells i bet he does i imagine so did you know that there is a paladin spell called magic weapon that for a bonus action and a second level spell slot you can turn any magic, any weapon into a magic weapon. Man, I'm sure one that you're correct. <laughs> and two that I probably have access to it, but I have not updated my spells. I just I just wanted to throw that out there. You in know, a long time in case in case mechanically that would be helpful for Johannes uh, going to Yo- going to Solinar's turn. Um, I feel like Solinar's initiative is so bad. Because he's holding the infernal book up so that Astrid can read it, like the first couple of pages, and then Koza's like, "Hello," and the voice is like, "Be right there." And Solonar's like, "Oh crap, crap." Uh, uh. I mean, uh. And he's like, he's doing that thing where you're holding something and you're like, "I need to put this down," but you don't want to just like drop it. And so you're kind of like turning, and then the table's all dirty. He doesn't want to just put it in a pile of dust. He ends up like fumbling it for a moment. And then finally he puts the book down somewhere on the table 
and then uh, pulls attention out. And it's like, all right, Astrid, let's do this. And then uh, charges into the fray. Wonderful. Uh, go ahead and roll for whatever attack you're doing. He's going to see if attention is effective with like a glancing blow first. Not, not right. trying to not trying to mess up the blade on that initial attack. Uh, just crit. Double max. <laughs> um, <laughs> does that include my sneak attack? I Been hope you roll all ones, baby. Let's go. Been a he minute critted. since I looked at my sneak attack. I know, but all ones on his damage. It's double max. Oh, well, maybe you should roll all ones anyway. Alex is full of madness. So that's 24 plus 16 plus 16. 32 plus 24 is 56. Plus 10 is 66 damage. Good God. This is why double max is crazy talk. Solinar has a max HP of 50 right now. If someone hit him with 66 damage, he would be immediately unconscious. All right. Brings us back to Boat. All right. Um, yeah, Boat's doing okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, looking looking at the clockwork creature there, does it have any like um, access panels or anything like that? It does have the password slot that uh, Johannes tried to stab a axe into. I tried to hack it. But it's got a shoe in it, right? No, the shoe's Not next anymore, to it. Not anymore, it doesn't. Okay. okay, he knocked the shoe out of it. What does the slot look like? Uh, it looks like maybe a four or five inch rectangular panel with a now broken slot cover. Okay, so it looks like it's a removable panel. It looks like a VHS slot. Oh, okay. Keeping it topical and relevant for the kids with my VHS references. Yeah. All right. So you got a VHS slot. Um, hmm. What if what if we put both slippers in? Johannes holds up one slipper and it makes this noise. Sounds an awful lot like a cork. No, it doesn't. It sounds like a <laughs> glorious angel sound. It's weird how that glorious angel sound sounded like a cork. All angels are corks. <laughs> <laughs> is it doing anything? Holding up the slipper? Yeah, is it resonating or something? Yeah, no. it sounds like this. I feel like that's what we were going for there. I'm certain it was. No. Um. All right. Um. Just trying to. I'm trying to decide what I want to do here. Um. Because I thought about if it had like an access point, like casting knock on it or something to open it up so we could get at the thing's guts and maybe like throw a stick in there to jam up some of its cogs. Um, you know, roll investigation for me. OK, actually a perception. Uh, that will be a 16. You are able to see a panel hatch on its chest where you could open it. I will cast knock on that panel chest. That will succeed and the chest will fall open. Yeah. Knock is good for opening chests. <laughs> um, what 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 do we see in there as it falls open? A lot of gears and shifting stuff. You also see whirling through some like crystal or glass uh, piping inside of it. This swirling, almost electric arcane energy that appears to be powering it. Okay. Can I 
No, that would be an attack. I was gonna say, maybe on my bonus action, you could let me throw something at it. I think I think if Brandon had attacked attacked, then he'd have he'd be able to use his multi-attack for throwing things. But I don't think I think if you use knock, knock's an action, right? Yeah, it's a spell. Yeah. So it would have to be a bonus action thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that throwing something with the intent to harm. Let's let's talk about what we mean by harm. Right? <laughs> Are we talking about throwing something at somebody with the intent that it deals damage to them in sort of a, a I don't know, a step-by-step way? Like if they're at 60 hit points, I'm hoping to hoping to knock them down to like 55 or something like that. Or like there's the alternative interpretation where you can just throw something at somebody to kind of distract them or get their attention. If you are throwing it directly at the creature in an attempt to reduce its HP or like overall structural integrity, it's an attack. Even if I decide I wanted to throw like a rock into those gears, which I'm not attacking, if you are not attempting to reduce its HP and you are just attempting to gum up its gears, I will allow that as a bonus action for this particular instance. Now I'll decide. Listeners, if I, want. I want you to realize, I want you to understand that Boat is legit, like Boat, Brandon is legitimately stroking his beard pensively in a way that I've never seen someone do in a real way. I am... I, I raised a question and I made my argument. I would like to throw into the gears of the, the, the machine a bridle that I have in the hopes that... Like a horse bridle? Yeah. Continue. In the hopes that it gets all twisted around the gears and stuff. Roll. That would be a dirty 20 then. <laughs> Gabe, make sure to leave this uh, uncomfortable silence in the final cut of the episode. As the gears twist and turn, propelling this creature forward, your ditch effort of throwing a bridle into its gears, for the record, remove that from your inventory. You hear sputtering, clacking, and an electric sound as it begins to wind in the delicate machinations that make this thing move. It begins to crunch and grind and spark before stuttering to a silent fall. Well, silent until it hits the ground anyway. Then it's a loud sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex is harumphing for anybody (laughs) who can't see this. You, you killed this stupid monster. Yeah. You could have let me hack it. Since <laughs> I've I've felled it, so you could say I'm the faller with the bride. Oh. Solinar is going to uh kind of he's he's holding attention at the ready. And then on realizing that this this mechanical creature is no longer moving, he gets a closer look at how the bridle's wrapped up in there, and he's like, oh, yep, yep. Boat, you just uh, derailed its turbo encabulator. That'll get you every time. That's that's that is an every time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that is not an easy piece of machinery to dislodge. <laughs> oh, it's it's Fizzwitch. It's completely out of alignment now as well. Johannes, as you are like kind of coming down from the feeling of combat, and your friends begin to joke around, 
you feel at the back of your neck an undead infernal energy approaching the party. Mm-hmm. Energy so yeah. hot, so infernal. <laughs> Just <laughs> this energy never giving up. A door opens and a figure strides through, clapping appreciatively. Oh, well done. That was that was brilliant. Was that a was that horse tack? Uh, oh, yes. crap. Yes, it was. The figure that steps through the door is the emaciated undead figure that you saw that, that the Mr. Wizard has, has arrived on the scene. He turns to you, his hands folded behind his back. He looks at the destroyed golem appreciatively and then back at you. So what is it I can do for you? Ding dong, bing bong. Who's bringing you this episode of Quid Pro Roll today? Well, it's the delightful people at our Patreon, including Kira Mays. Thank you so much. Marion Klatt, you are awesome. I'm like so grateful that you exist. Uh, Natalia Pearson, you're heckin' awesome. I like never seen a more awesome person. Olivia Latham, you're the best. Thank you. Sean Britton. I am in debt to you. I owe you a life debt and or a beer. Your choice. Uh, Sith Lord Dippy. Man, I couldn't have dippied without you. And I'm really thankful. Wolf Daddy 72. I'm God, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you, Daddy. And yes, Mountain. Yes, Mountain. These are awesome. You, you guys are great. Thank you for making Quid Pro Roll possible. I, like, literally, I'm, I'm so grateful. So, thank you from me. I'm alone and I'm thanking you on the post roll, making it too long. And Gabe is gonna be mad at me. But I love you so much, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Johannes hands him two slippers in post-reel. 